Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company, and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of The Success League. Today, Mikhail Bergman is joining me on the podcast to talk about her experiences building a customer success program with very limited resources at Lucid Press. She had to get really scrappy about things like building out a solid help center and driving substantial expansion revenue with no budget and a really small team. Mikhail, thanks so much for joining me on the show and sharing your experiences with our audience. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm super excited. Thanks for having me. Tell us first how you landed in customer success. So in short, I'm a teacher turned techie turned CSM. So I got my bachelor's degree in education and taught for a short while and loved teaching, but kind of learned that I didn't really enjoy the system itself. And so I started looking for something that would merge education and tech uh, together and still let me be teaching someone something. So I ended up finding Lucid Software through a friend of a friend on Facebook um, and moved out to Utah and was at Lucid Software in its really early days. So we had two products. I worked on both of those products in the support team. And then as the company grew and evolved and we introduced Lucid Press in a kind of assisted sales motion, then I came in and founded the customer success team for Lucid Press um, and spent most of my career at Lucid Press. Can you share a little bit more about Lucid Press as well? What What's the company's mission and how was your customer success team set up there? Uh, Lucid Press is a brand engagement and compliance platform. And so the mission of the company is to help our customers be known for who they are and what they do with their desired audience. Um, so the platform itself allows you to templatize content and take something that is on brand, push it out to the various stakeholders within the company who need to touch it, That might be sales, that might be marketing, that might be HR even, Um, and then take those pieces that are all on brand and customize them so that they are localized and they become the message that the one particular prospect or audience who that customer is trying to sell to gets something that is personalized and on brand just for them. Um, So our customer success team um, was quite small and set up essentially with two CSMs and then two what I would call hybrids. Uh, which is essentially half CSM and half support. And that CSM portion over time became about tech touch and how to automate and scale our team. So I know you're planning to talk about some of the tactics and approaches you use to overcome a lack of resources. But before we get into those details, can you paint a picture of the situation you were faced with? So at the time, we were a small startup within a mid-sized company 
And so we were looking to kind of, you know, with that chip on our shoulder, we want to prove ourselves. We wanted to be fiscally responsible and carve a foothold into the market without overblowing our budget. And so we were intentionally choosing to take the resources that we had and push those into sales and then have each of the other departments aligned to work with sales and really carve that foothold in the market. Great. Um, so one of the things I know from my own experiences in earlier stage companies or smaller companies is that with limited resources, you can't do everything. You have to really focus. So what were your top priorities and how did you determine what to work on? It's so true. Uh, so like I mentioned, we wanted to carve that foothold in the market. And what okay. that meant was that we needed to figure out who our most successful customers were going to be and really what was possible for us to address at the time and what wasn't. We had kind of um, estimated a large TAM and then we're learning that some segments didn't work so well and others worked better. So our top priorities at the time were to find that ideal customer profile and then to align all of our CS efforts to sales, to give them insights, to give them feedback, to make sure that they understood what was happening with customers that they had sold and how successful they were so that we were able to kind of catalyze their efforts onto the, the very most kind of plausible customers. Yeah. So we decided uh, to prioritize essentially three things. Um, one, we needed to grow sales while also keeping to our small budget. So we yeah. wanted to scale our CS team without bringing on additional headcount or additional tech. And then two and three, we wanted to turn our customers into promoters. So we found those very successful customers and leveraged the heck out of them. And yeah. then three, we wanted to make sure that we turned customer success from what kind of felt like a cost center. We were we were giving service and we were supporting our customers, but not really taking in any extra fees. And it became difficult to justify growing that department when we knew we needed to cover out sales. So we wanted to third, turn it into a revenue center and find some way to bring in new revenue that we could attribute directly to customer success. That's fantastic. Those are some really good goals. Um, at the beginning, you kind of mentioned that you had two people who were sort of part-time customer success, part-time support, and that their focus really became building out the Tech Touch program um, that you built that year. How mm -hmm. did you approach that Tech Touch program with limited resources? Uh, it's a funny story. We essentially were like, okay, so we don't have these resources, so let's Google. <laughs> and so we started by Googling for free things. And so I kind of challenged this little team. We would build it slowly mm -hmm. over time. Challenge this team. Okay, how do we go for the 10x idea, right? We're trying to scale with 5x the volume of customers expected over the year. And we're not going to pay for really fancy, expensive things. So let's get really creative. And so we boiled it down to, like, okay, we know we need to, one, understand what our customers need from their customer success experience. And then two, we know that we need to meet them where they are. So there's probably going to need to be a combination of like video, some written content, um, even courses or other materials that they can kind of really dig into and engage with. And so we said, okay, let's look for free stuff. And we found a couple of different programs. Um, in particular, I think we found um, three or four and then tried out two of them and stuck with two. So we loved one. It's called Teachable. Um, it's okay. It's a freemium program that allows you to build courses much like uh, Linda or Udemy. 
Um, and typically mm -hmm. people charge for those, but you can use the software for free. And since we were charging for our services in a different way, we were able to use Teachable for free for the whole year, um, which was great. And it was amazing. So we built out a whole section of courses that people could take. And kind of like the idea was uh, Salesforce, you know, you have you have a university and many companies have a yeah. university. We built a university of courses for people to take. Um, and then the second program was um, essentially just the Google Suite, but then we used a ton of different extensions so that we were able to either send out surveys automatically, connect them to the existing marketing team, which we'll talk about later, uh, to Marketo, um, and start to send out kind of these drip campaigns of emails and then collect surveys and other responses and information into Google where that we could then use it um, in our own kind of activities to direct what a CSM should do. That's amazing. Um, I like so many things about what you just said. Uh, I feel like I get questions all the time about, you know, how, how are we ever going to build out a class if, you know, it, it costs so much to do the production on it and, and stuff. And you guys basically did it with a small team and free tools, it sounds yes. like. Yeah. You certainly awesome. have to get creative with it. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. You got really creative. Um, you mentioned earlier, too, that um, you really got very clear about your customer profiles. And I, I'm imagining that played heavily into your development of the program. Can you tell me a little more about that? So it was a learning experience. I think this whole kind of um, initiative to scale the CS team through TechTouch took over like a year and a half. Um, okay. And in the beginning, we made mistakes. We, we kind of were thinking, let's just serve everybody. And we spun our wheels a bit, designing several different maps and flows and processes until we kind of realized, okay, this isn't going to work. Like some people yeah. are never going to be okay with just tech touch and others will. So let's figure out who wants what. And that's really when we started digging into um, the customer profile from a an experience perspective of what do you want out of our team versus uh -huh. what we had done before, which was what do you want from our product? Um, and so we started sending surveys, we started interviewing our customers, and then built these little profiles. And so some of them were um, the ideal profile, okay, which for us meant you're willing to pay us for certain services, because um, we, we need you to pay us. But, <laughs> yeah. but you're also a go-getter, you understand how to implement technology, you're a good project manager, um, you have a goal in mind, and you understand how to measure your own efforts. So with TechTouch, we can kind of point you in the right direction, but you're going to run it and you're going to own it and they're going to be great. And then we had other profiles that we knew were ideal in a different way, where they didn't have all of those skills, but had some budget and would be willing to pay us to implement more of it with them. So picture kind of a 50-50 a degree of ownership. And so for those customers, we built out what we call our setup fee program. Um, internally, externally, I think we just called it like the implementation program, but you could purchase a package, which was essentially a set of hours that kind of fit a typical um, agenda. And we would own more of your implementation with you. And implementation for Lucid Press was complex enough that that was often very valuable. And so people would pay 1200 in the very beginning. And then as we realized how much more we were doing, we charged more for it. And yeah. so we got those implementation fees up and that really helped to fund the program, but also let us compare and contrast between 
between our tech touch customers and those who wanted a little bit more human engagement. So initially, how did you decide which profile the customers um, ended up in? Was it your CSMs kind of saying, oh, this person is behaving like this profile? Or did you have some sort of automated way of slotting them into their different groups? So in the beginning, we were serving our existing customer base and putting them into the groups that they belonged in. And then we took that information to sales and said, hey, of all these customers you guys have sold, these are where they all kind of landed. And these are our goals for a department. I know these are your goals for your department. So what will be most successful is if we sell more of these customers who want to pay us lots of money, (laughs) being (laughs) facetious, but, um, and we picked a particular profile and said, certain sales reps, please try to sell this. We really want to sell these implementation packages and not like give them these services kind of eventually just inevitably for free. And then for all of those other deals that would just come along and maybe not be quite as an ideal of a customer, then we told them they're going to automatically get all of these tech touch resources and then we'll build an upsells throughout the process so that if we do need to move them to a different bucket, then we're able to negotiate that together. Got it. Okay. That's great. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Today, I'd like to talk about one type of consulting engagement we offer at the Success League. Customer success deep dives last between three days and two weeks and are focused on helping companies plan a customer success program tailored to their organization. Common deep dive topics include metrics and goals, hiring and compensation, customer journey mapping, and segmentation. Each deep dive session includes concrete deliverables like business models and annual plans that you can quickly put to use. If you need help with planning for 2019, a deep dive engagement is a great way to kickstart your efforts. Visit the consulting page on our website, thesuccessleague.io, for more information. I also want to mention StrikeDeck's new Customer 360 template. This free download is the best way to figure out if you're ready for a customer success tool. It is an automated spreadsheet that will help you keep track of all your current customers, generating an individual health score for each one. Quick reports can be easily developed through the Analytics tab, and tasks can be tracked on the Task Manager. If you're looking for a quick, simple-to-use, yet robust solution for your CS needs, StrikeDeck's Customer 360 template is the tool for you. Download your copy today at strikedeck.com. And now, back to our interview. So, Mikhail, as we were preparing for this interview, you mentioned that collecting customer stories played a big part in the success of your program. Can you describe your approach to that? Yes. So, we wanted to to maximize the value of a customer. Okay. Um, And to me, what that means is that this is getting a little bit into ideology, but I think that other than companies wanting to make money, uh, you have customers and you want to make the most of those customers. Why is someone a customer with you beyond just what value they're getting? Why do you want that customer? And so I had been thinking about all of these kind of small deals that we've been bringing in and how do we make the most of those? These are people who don't have the budget to pay us a lot over time. Mm-hmm. But we're definitely going to spend a lot of time supporting them. So what do we do? And I started thinking about their brand power, uh, where they fit in their market, how well connected they were to others. And I started realizing a small customer can become very valuable to a company 
even if they can't pay you themselves, if they're able to help their friends pay you. And so we wanted to identify the customers who were most successful, regardless of which segment we had put them in earlier in terms of implementation costs, mm -hmm. and start collecting those stories and telling them to that same audience. If we knew one customer who was well-connected was small, but then everyone in their network knew that they were successful and loved Lucid Press, then we would able to be able to catalyze um, the sales efforts, essentially. Either yeah. existing leads would start warming up, or we take someone who had never heard of us before and then bring them into the funnel. So, Michaela, you mentioned to me earlier that your marketing team started to help you as they saw the value you were able to deliver. Can you tell me how you approached that relationship with marketing and how you developed the partnership with them over time? Yes, I, I remember early on, um, we had a small handful of customers who were loving Lucid Press. Like they would mm -hmm. email us thank yous and praise and compliments, and they were telling their friends organically about us and we wanted to do more with that group. And so organically within CS, we started asking them more questions. We would ask for like little quotes or testimonials. Um, and then when they were super successful, we said, hey, can we just go visit you and record you <laughs> on, on video talking about us? And of course, marketing loved that idea and wanted to work with us on that. So that's kind of where we started with delivering value to the marketing team, these customers who were really ready to praise Lucid Press. And then over time, as we started taking those insights and just sharing them more broadly without the extra videos, right? Just saying, hey, I had this call Tuesday that went so well. They love these things. Then we were able to show marketing what value propositions really resonated, which yeah. ones were just new and fresh and no one had ever thought of before, and which ones were kind of turning out to be not as good as we thought they were. And so marketing started asking for feedback on banners or on posters or event collateral, and we just started kind of meeting regularly and chatting with each other. And so over time, it became this joint effort to say, let's really turn our customers from customers into promoters. And let's work on that collaboratively, consistently throughout the quarter. That's fantastic. Um, I know that you've had some pretty impressive results with a very limited team. Can you share some of those results that you got with the audience? Yes. Uh, I, I think I'm... Well, I'm very proud of these. They're kind of the jewel in my crown. But You should be proud um, of these. <laughs> yeah. The, the team was great. Uh, they really put their all into it. And so we, like I said, uh, we wanted to scale by the end of the year with 5x volume of customers without having hired additional people or bought a bunch of extra tools. So we successfully didn't buy any extra tools. Uh, we did buy, hire one more person, which was great and wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and out of that team's efforts over the year, we brought in about 450000 in implementation fees, last I counted, um, yeah. which was great because all of that could directly be attributed to customer success. And then we had about 250000 in kind of related advocacy where customers had talked to their friends either behind the scenes or publicly and we knew about it. And then a prospect would say, hey, I talked to so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And they told me about you guys and you're awesome and we'd like to explore Use It Press. That is amazing. That is almost a million dollars in um, extra revenue that your company wouldn't have had with almost, what, adding one person and a bunch of free tools. You should be incredibly proud of that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I am. Um, it was great. 
<laughs> I, I just wanted to say though too it was definitely a collaborative effort yeah. I feel like I always say to myself and others like most of it's just luck because we had sales team that worked incredibly hard and a marketing team that worked incredibly hard and they worked with us together so those deals are closed by sales those events are run by marketing but together we really were be able, able to show some great results well you were scrappy and you made your own luck so um <laughs> Good job. Um, tell me what your biggest takeaways were from the journey. Do you have any recommendations or mistakes that you'd be willing to share to help the audience if they are in a similar situation? Yes. Um, I think the two primary ones are, I wish that I had recorded things and noted things and counted things so much sooner and okay. more consistently. Um, I think this is something that startups might struggle with generally, uh, where you're going as fast as you can and you have a limited window in which to really, you know, make your place. And so we, we weren't as good about recording the attribution of each of the pieces of content we had created with the leads that were coming through the pipeline. So we didn't note as they were going through what pieces they had seen. And we were asking after the fact, Hey, by the way, did you happen to watch this video or Hey, by the way, did you happen to talk to so-and-so in your network? And that wasn't very efficient. And it ultimately meant that when we'd have these conversations about the results of customer success, it became trickier, tr not completely impossible, but trickier to say, oh yeah, I know exactly how much money we brought in from this quarter, or I know exactly how much we contributed. So I wish that we had started counting things more effectively sooner. Okay. And that we had been talking about them with our leadership team sooner and more consistently. Um, I think the second piece would be patience. I really wish we had kind of been patient. I think in a startup, you often, like I said, want to run so fast that you kind of stumble over your own feet and try something and then go, oh, wait a second. We didn't really plan that very well. So in the beginning, we spent a couple months kind of spinning our wheels and it would have been helpful if we had just paused, really went top down and recorded what goals we wanted. And then we're able to focus on those customer profiles a little sooner. Yeah. Um, thank you. That's great advice for the group. Um, last question. This is something we ask everybody on the podcast. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? I think it's going to be customer operations. And I think that primarily because, as you've mentioned at CS100 and other places, um, sales teams and marketing teams have been for many years very focused on particular metrics that show the outcomes on their department's efforts. And yeah. customer success is learning that. But we're kind of working in the gray area naturally, right? We're working with existing customers where no one really has the Bible that says this person would have renewed or would not have renewed. And so it's a little tricky to say what was organic and what was inorganic. Yeah. And I think having an operations person helps you focus on making that systematic, counting things, measuring things, capturing what would have been true, what wouldn't have been true, and then showing the trends and improvement over time. I know that was something that we struggled with, not having you know, a direct analyst or operations um, specialist to help us build those reports and views. And so mm -hmm. I think that's powerful for CS to be able to say, I can claim these results and therefore I need more investment to give you more of them. Yeah, it's it's absolutely helpful as you're trying to go out and get resources. Although you guys seem to have done incredibly well without resources, but you know, you always you always want to try to 
have everything you need to help your customers. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I really, I agree with you on that trend. I think that's important. And I see, you know, bigger organizations have had ops people for success for a while, but I see that role starting to creep into smaller and smaller organizations. And I think it's really important. I mean, I also do think that it can be shared with other teams. So you could have an operations person that kind of does that same thing for the sales organization and for the success organization. And that can be a way to have that resource, um, you know, and, and get benefit out of it when you are a smaller company too. Mm -hmm. That's kind of to mention something that we talked about earlier, how the team was two CSMs and two hybrids. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had interns that would occasionally kind of rotate in and out. Um, Those two hybrids were really our catch-all. So when we were like, okay, we really need help in the operations section of this. We need, or we need an analyst here, or I need someone who's going to learn some email marketing techniques because we got to do this. Um, Our two hybrids would have their about 50% of their time where they were really just Googling and studying and learning and trying new things. And so my suggestion would be in a startup, if you can try to have one of those hires early on, be that very generalist go-getter, just learn new things sort of personality so that they can help fill those gaps when you can't quite afford to hire someone full-time or part-time for a particular role. That's really good advice. Um, Mikhail, I really appreciate you sharing your experience with us today. I know a lot of folks in our audience also have limited budgets and they also have small teams. So I'm sure all of your tips really resonated with many of the listeners. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Absolutely. It was a blast. Thank you. Hey, so if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So you can always follow me on LinkedIn um, or you could email me. My email is mikhail.bergman at gmail.com. And happy to chat anytime. This is probably my favorite topic. Awesome. Thanks, Mikhail. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSLCustomers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.